Praise the Lord, everybody. He alone is worthy. Amen, amen. Good night. Welcome to our Thursday night Bible study. I'm greeted tonight in the name of Jesus Christ, our soon coming King. Amen? Amen. Well, tonight um, we're here ready for Bible study. I pray um, that our officials who are gone to the conference, they, you know, have a wonderful time, and I pray the blessings of God upon them. Pray that they will come back with, you know, well refreshed, come back with um, more knowledge for us. Amen. Amen. So it's time for our service. So without any further ado, I'm going to ask you to stand so we can pray and commence the service. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are everything to us, Lord Jesus. It is you who keep us. It is you who just keep your hand upon us and Lord Jesus, you guide us. Lord, it is you who just watch out for us, Lord Jesus. We honor you tonight. We lift up your name, Lord Jesus, because there is no other God. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the great God, the merciful Father. Your mercy is renewed every morning, Lord Jesus. We thank you, O God. We thank you. We thank you for forgiving us for the sins that we have committed knowingly and unknowingly, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord. I pray that tonight you will touch each and every one of us before you hear those who are watching online, O oh God. I pray that you would touch them also, Lord Jesus. I pray, O oh God, that your spirit will move upon us tonight, Lord Jesus. We came here to hear what you have to say to us, O oh God. And Lord Jesus, we'll, we will leave with something, O oh God, that we have received from you tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, touch those who are on their way, Lord. And I pray, O oh God, you'd give them traveling mercy. I pray, Lord Jesus, that tonight we will hear from you what thus say the Lord. Lord Jesus, touch the bodies of those who are ill tonight, O oh God. And I pray, O oh God, that you touch Brother Kellyman, Lord Jesus. Strengthen him, O oh God, so that he will be with us next time, Lord Jesus. Strengthen all those who are sick, O oh God, in the body, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'm just going to get straight into the Word of God tonight. Um, I heard someone said, we will go home soon, but I, I don't think so. <laughs> so let me start soon. <laughs> I'd like to entitle this message tonight, God is our salvation in times of distress. God is our salvation in times of distress. This is a true statement. Amen? And 
I'm going to go back into some scriptures that we we have gone into several times um, in the last couple of, of weeks or months, but this is what I was led to you know, um, bring to you tonight. King David found himself in problems once more. This time, it came from within his household. 2 Samuel 12:11 says, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house. So, he knew that this was coming. His son Absalom rose up against him and at the time led an army towards Jerusalem to defeat him and take his throne. Absalom was ruthless and did not care that he was going up against his father. He also never cared that David was anointed and was chosen by God. So going against David meant going against God. His son, he was ruthless. He just wanted that throne. You know, others probably would look at um, their father and say, you know, no, let me, let me wait until he's, he's <laughs> someone else take over. Or probably if they went, they would um, just take him away and not hurt him. But he was going to harm him if he caught him. So he was riding there to get rid of David and just usurp the throne. The message came to King David and he was distraught. Second um, Samuel 15:13 says, "And there came a messenger to David, saying, "The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom." You know, he did his little thing where he um, he got these people to he win their heart by um, you know just just some cunning move and. Now that he got there, he was about to take the throne. His own son, Absalom, rose up against him, and he would not fight against him for fear he would kill him. So even all of this, David was the kind of man that, even though his, fa- his son was against him and was coming, and if he caught him, he would kill him, he didn't want to harm his son. He loved his son. In spite of this, he loved his son. So he decided that he would leave instead of having a confrontation and, and probably kill his son, you know, or whatever happened, you know, Jerusalem would have been destroyed, or some people would have been killed. He didn't want that. And if we remember, it was David who went up against Goliath. He wasn't fearful. He went up against Goliath. He killed him, took off his head. And, and um, Saul was so, he, he should have done it, he didn't. When David did it, he, he loved the fact that David did it, and he gave him um, a rank in his army. 1 Samuel 15.5 says, Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was successful that Saul gave him a, r- a high rank in the army. So, he was glad for that. And 
that same position that he gave him and that same success that David had. This is what happened after. The scripture says, Remember the woman came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing. Saul has slain his thousand and David is ten thousand. First Samuel 18.7 That caused Saul to be jealous of David. So, he was successful in one breath, but that same success, Saul didn't like it, what they were singing. And from that day, he had a problem with him, and he tried to kill him. So David would not fight against his beloved son, Absalom. He preferred to leave and allow God to decide if he would return to Jerusalem or not. So David sinned, and God raised up evil in his house. But David connected back with God. That's the, that's the thing about David. No matter what happened, he's not far from God. If he strayed a little, he's getting right back there. So in times of need, in times when he is in distress, he's calling upon the name of the Lord. He preferred to leave and allow God to decide if he would return to Jerusalem or not. And of course, he was trying to save the city of Jerusalem and trust that God would protect him while he was on the run. Here is an evidence that David loved his son, Absalom, even though Absalom would have taken his life. 2 Samuel 18.5 says, the king commanded Joab and Abishai and Ittai, be gentle with the young Absalom for my sake. And everyone heard it. He told them, when they go out to, to, to fight, be gentle with Absalom for his sake. So he didn't want them to harm Absalom. David was sure that this was the will of God that, you know, Absalom was coming after him because he, he, he knew that he had sinned and he knew the consequence. So he accepted it and he didn't want that confrontation. So David led his followers um, and he went up to Mount, the, uh, up to Mount Olives. 2 Samuel 15.30 David went up to Mount Olives crying as he went. He covered his head and went barefoot. All the people with David covered their heads also and cried as they went. He was, see, he was very remorseful here for the sins he committed. He wept as he went up and his head was covered, showing nothing but grief. He know, knew he had sinned and he was remorseful while he left. You know, so he was... His um, people that were with him, they were also weeping. And, you know, those that were with him, they loved the king. He was barefooted, showing his humility. He climbed the Mount of Olives and stopped to worship God. So he worshipped God, and God heard his prayer and delivered him from Absalom later on. But... This is what he did. He, he never left God out of anything that he was doing. 
He went up there and he found a place and he worshipped God and he went on, you know, to get away from his son and, and his army. And just to make matters worse, he heard that his former counselor was now representing his son Absalom, and that is Ahithophel. He was the counselor, and his, his counsel was, the Bible says his counsel was as if a man um, received an oracle. He was on point with his counsel. So David, when David heard that right away, Second Samuel 15.31 said, and, and um, one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. God answered his prayer as well. But he was a little concerned that <laughs> Ahithophel was counseling his son. So, let's look at this now. David was betrayed by his son. And it must have been the worst feeling he ever experienced. The emotional pain he felt must hit. Because it's going to cool off at some point. But this pain that he was feeling, it was just, it was just there. Knowing that it's his son. Saddled his donkey or whatever and, and head after this person because he wasn't afraid. Even though David was betrayed by his son Absalom, he says there were among others two groups of um, men. They were from the neighboring um, land, the surrounding land. The Cheritites and the Pelatites were people from the surrounding land. And those in his army were loyal to him. So those group of people, they formed what was known as part of his mighty men. Those were his personal bodyguards. These were some of the mighty men who comprised David's personal bodyguard. They remained faithful to the king. So that's good because he felt like the people who were close to him, they were betraying him. And he, he felt real bad and he was walking away. You know, walking away from his house, walking away in, in a hurry, not prepared. So here is another one of his mighty men. Uriah the Hittite was also one of King David's men. So he, just imagine how Uriah's family felt. But no, he was in a position where somebody betrayed him. Um... And he was devastated. When that happened to us, we moan and have such a pity party. But when we are doing it to others, it's okay. We are we're looking for what we want. Right? We, we're, not, we're not interested in how they feel or their family feel. That is exactly what happened to David. We often ask the question, how could someone close to me do me like that? He, he um, Uriah was a part of his personal bodyguard. That means anyone attacked, they would give their life for him. And he did Uriah like that. Enemies. A betrayal never comes from your enemy. 
Forgiveness doesn't excuse their behavior. Forgiveness prevents their behavior from destroying your heart. To be a Christian means to forgive the Amen. Let's talk about Ziba. When David had passed a little beyond the summit, Ziba the servant of Mephibosheth met him. 2 Samuel 16.1 So at this point, David and his men, they were very sad. Heads covered, barefooted, worried. They were not prepared for the journey because they left suddenly and in a hurry. They had to hurry out. They couldn't have taken what they wanted. And here now, he didn't have a house. He, you know, he would have to find somewhere to sleep until, you know, this whole thing is over. And the fear was that Absalom's army would come after him. So he was uh, in fear of his own life. So David and his men, they needed food to sustain them. They must have grabbed some things with them, but they needed to have a, a decent supply to you know, keep them. Ziba knew what was happening in Jerusalem and picked the right time to take gifts to David and his people. So here is a man that he knows that David and his men are in a position like that. So he, you know, seemed to be very considerate. Just got two donkeys and, and a, a whole bunch of food and went at a strategic point to meet David and hand it over to him. David needed every bit of supply he could get. And Ziba had everything he needed. How thoughtful was Ziba? So, David, um, in 2 Samuel 16.2, David had asked Ziba, Why have you brought these? And Ziba explains, The donkeys are for you to ride on. The food is to sustain you and the people who are loyal to you and on your journey. Ziba seemed to be the very, uh, very considerate. He felt David's pain and made a sacrifice to give David a gift that would help to sustain him and his men. So, when you are in a situation and someone does that for you, you feel very grateful, you know, they are considerate and you you you're just feeling very good about it and you probably have them in your heart as you know this is a good man david was grateful he must have told ziba thanks many times ziba must have played the part of being a loyal and dedicated person looking out for david's best interest then David asked the question, where is Mephibosheth? At this point, Ziba tells a slanderous lie to the king. He told the king that Mephibosheth remains in Jerusalem, for he said, today the house of Israel will give me back the kingdom of my father. Let me just give you some background on that now. Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan, and when, um, after Jonathan and his 
father, they were kids of Jonathan because him and Jonathan, they were, they were real close. So Ziba told him that there was Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, but he was lame because um, when he was young, his maid was trying to escape with him and fell and his hurt his two legs so he couldn't walk. He needed someone to carry him around. When David heard that, he sent for him. And he made uh, Mephibosheth sit around his table with his children. You know, whatever they got, Mephibosheth got it also because he wanted to show the kindness that um, to one of Jonathan's um, sons. So he was showing him kindness. And now David was on the run. So if Ziba came, he expected Mephibosheth to be there as well. Because the least he could do is join him and say, you know what? Wherever you go, I'm going. So Ziba was originally a servant of King Saul. When Saul died, he became a free man and made his fortune out of what King Saul had. Later, he had a large family with, 12, with 20 slaves. So Ziba was doing well, but Ziba, it, that was really Mephibosheth's um, inheritance. So when King David was from the house of Saul to Mephibosheth, and Ziba was his servant, rightly so. That is how it, it, it was before. So here now, Ziba appeared up alone. With a whole lot of gifts. And you know he said. Mephibosheth. He was glad that this was happening. Because now. He felt like. Absalom. Would. Um, the fight would go on. And somehow he would be restored. To, to the. the um, to his rightful position. But that was a lie. He left him where he was. And came and told a lie to David. David was in what he told him. King David had inquired about the house of Jonathan, his friend, and found that he had a son, Mephibosheth. So he restored Mephibosheth to his, his um, delighted with a gift from Ziba that he never asked another question. So when he asked, where is Mephibosheth? And he said, he's staying back home. Because he doesn't want to be a part of this. He wants his kingdom, his, um, you know, everything he had to be restored to him. David didn't even ask anything else. He believed what Ziba told him without any proof. So I'm saying to you now, we should not hear from one party and come to a conclusion. We should never do that. How many times people come to us and attempt to slander others and we allow them? How many times we hear things about others and we believe even though there is no proof. This is, all of this is happening right here. How many times do we start treating people differently and avoiding them because of what we hear? You don't give the person any chance to explain anything. You just believe. But here, David was in a, a situation where he was in distress. And here was somebody who he felt was genuine. And what they were doing is 
seizing the opportunity to get what they wanted. They, this person wasn't genuine. Mephibosheth was genuine. Because what he did, when he heard that Absalom was after him, he never changed his clothes or did anything to himself as a mark, you know, until he saw David again. That, that was probably how they did it that in those days. This was just so showing that he was in solidarity with him. So that was a lie that Ziba went and told. The situation we are going through at the time should not cloud our judgment. It should not cause us to make hasty and wrong decisions. Remember, the enemy is busy. And he's very deceptive. He worked through Ziba and got through to David. And David believed him. The enemy is also looking, always looking for the right opportunity to cause confusion and lead us astray. The thought of giving those gifts was not from the right place or he would not have told a lie, to, a lie about Mephibosheth and deceived David. So his gift, even though it was, well, it was, it was welcome, it was well received, it wasn't coming from the right place. He didn't do it genuinely. He had a motive. He did it because he wanted to gain an advantage. He wanted David to say, you know what? Let me restore all of what I gave to Mephibosheth. Let me give it back to you. And he did that. He gave it back to him temporarily until he, he found out what was going on. King David probably judged Ziba by his appearance. And the Bible tells us in John 7:24, stop judging by mere appearance, but instead judge correctly. This is the NIV version. Amen. Amen. One more person. Let's look at Shimei. Shimei. I think that's how it's pronounced. And this is another test for King David. So he's going along and he's getting tested. This is the enemy testing him all along. After King David left Mount Olives, he went towards the territory occupied by the Benjamites, which was Saul's tribe. You know, Saul was a Benjamite and he was king. So he had a lot of supporters. That's where, that's his hometown. The house of Saul was not pleased that he was king, that David was king, but they, they had to live with it. It, it. You know, David was king, and so they had to live with it. Shimei was a man from the house of, of Benjamin, Saul's tribe. So he didn't like it. Here he was in his place. Then he also realized that David and his men were walking through his territory. So um, when King David came to Barim, a man named Shimei, the son of Gera, came out from there. He was of the family of Saul's household and he was cursing continually as he came out. He is like um, 
some people that they cannot see any good in a certain person. And they cannot see any bad in another one. So Shimei could, could see no bad in Saul. Whatever Saul did was good enough for him. He had an excuse. And he could see no good in David. No matter what David did. David was a bad man. So Shimei, he was on a little higher elevation than where David and his men were walking. So he had an advantage. He was throwing stones at them. He threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David. Yet all the people and all the warriors remained on his right and his left. This is what Shimei said as he cursed. Get out. Get out, you man of bloodshed, you worthless and useless man. The Lord has returned upon you all the bloodshed of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of Absalom, your son. And behold, you are caught in your own evil, for you are a man of bloodshed. Ziba um, deceived David, but Shimei, he was a liar. He was accusing him of something that he didn't do. He had nothing to do with the death of Saul, but he was bitter. And this bitterness was boiling over in him. And he just found the opportunity now to come at David. He was so sure. Because David was the king. David had his men. And it's not like now where um, even if the president wanted you dead, he couldn't just say kill him. <laughs> he couldn't do that. In those days, the king had total authority. If he wanted you killed, he could have done that. But he was so sure that when this was all over, David would not be there anymore. So he came out. He kicked stones at the king. He threw um, stones, he, he threw dirt and he cursed him all the way out so he was sure that at the end of the day David would no longer be the king Shimei did not accept David and blame him for Saul's death and he cursed David continually 2 Samuel 16 5 he hated King David and the words he spoke supported that hatred so even if even if you didn't know the fact that he threw stones at him kicked dust at him and cursed at him you know that this was deep in his heart this is just what it was in his heart coming out he hated David in addition to that he threw stones at them and kicked up dust he was at a higher level so he had the advantage I'm just thinking that when he threw those dust, it was going right on them. Those rocks were hitting them. And the thing is, he caught the king when he was at his lowest and caused him and accused him of killing Saul and taking his crown. So, this was strategic also. He waited until David was at his lowest. 
when he was when everything was okay, he dare not come to him with something like that. He he would be killed. But this is if you look at this, this is exactly how the devil operates. When you're strong, well prayed up, Holy Ghost filled. It's not like the devil is not going to um, try at you, but at that point, you're strong. If he sees any weakness, if he sees where you're going through anything, he seizes that opportunity to come and tempt you with the thing that will affect you the most. And here now, Shimei came at David because he felt like David was at his lowest and he would never be able to recover. So all of this that he was doing would go unpunished. Even then, um, David could have been killed. Because here it is, then Abishai, the son of Zariah, said to the king, why should this, let me look good, it says dead dog, why should this dead dog, despicable person, curse my lord the king, let him go over and, let me go over and take off his head. So he was ready to kill him. But David said, leave him alone and let him curse. For the Lord has told him to. In all of this, David held on to God. He loved God. And even though he made mistakes and did some despicable things, he never strayed too far from God. And in times like these, he held on to the Lord. He believed that um, this treatment that he was getting, it is because he had done some wrong. It is because he had done some wrong. Not um, killing Saul. He didn't kill Saul. But he, it is as a result of something else that he had done wrong. Why he's being. David knew he did not kill Saul or any of his sons. However, he was guilty of causing the death of Uriah the Hittite. One of his own mighty men. So he was guilty of a crime. So because he knew he was guilty of a crime. He figured that God was using him to you know, curse him. To curse him. Not for Saul. But you know, for what he really did. He knew it was God who directed him to walk through this very place. Where he would be humiliated. So part of what was happening. He was being humiliated. And he accepted it. Because he knew he had done something wrong. David was very humble. He was a man of God. After God's own heart. Amen. So. I'm moving on to the final. Final part. No I'm not going to take my time out. <laughs> okay, so three scenarios here. David first betrayed one of his mighty men, Uriah, the Hittite, and later was himself betrayed by his own son, Absalom. It was unbearable for David. He was remorseful. He had to leave his home in a hurry 
ill-prepared. It set off a chain reaction of abuse and deception for David. When it was happening, David was not interested in how Uriah's family felt when they were deceived. So, again, when he was deceiving them, it was good. But when it came back at him now, he realized how hard, how, how, how painful it was. If we check our lives, I'm sure something, probably not similar to that, but something happened that came back to us and we realized that, oh man, this is what I did to them. Well, might not have happened to you, but <laughs> Ziba saw the plight. He saw how dangerous, uh, difficult, or otherwise unfortunate situation David was in and tricked him. The Bible says Satan is the father of lies. John 8, 44. And Ziba, he went all out with his deception to trick King David and it worked. He really tricked him into, you know, just thinking that, oh, you did this because of the goodness of your heart? Oh, Ziba. But Ziba didn't do it for that. Ziba wanted something else. He did good, but it was for a reason. The enemy will do it to us as well. If we jump to conclusions, judge by appearance, or just believe a one-sided story. The same thing the enemy did to David, he will do to us. Amen? Finally, Shimei saw the plight David was in. He saw it as well. Everybody knew about it. And accused David of killing Saul and taking his throne. He threw stones at him and kicked up dirt on him and he fled as he fled from Absalom. And this was all because he hated David and could not express it all along. It was too dangerous for him to ever do it before. Because David was king, he would, he would have um, taken his head. Because of the situation with Absalom, he thought that Absalom would be victorious and David would be killed. So Shimei became bold enough to attack the king and his mighty men. The devil is watching you to see when you when you are at your weakest point, when you are most vulnerable, so he can attack you where it hurts the most. Amen? But the Bible says we are not, not ignorant to his devices, right? So we should not allow ourselves to jump to any conclusion, any hasty conclusion in times when we are um, in a situation. We should still maintain, you know, our, we, we have to find out two sides to a story. You can't just hear one side and just jump to a conclusion. That, that doesn't work. There are two sides, three sides they say. <laughs> so, just 
just a reminder. The enemy is the father of lies. He comes at you any way he can. So these stories in the Bible, they are real and they are there for us to see what, um, what happened to others and how, they, how it affected them. And we should learn from that and not go down that same road. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. We have come to the end of our Bible study. Any questions? Any comments? Brother Kellerman is not here. Okay. Brother... Amen. You know what is remarkable about that also? When Nathan came to David, David was a king. And he pointed out David on the spot. David could have resisted him. He could have said, you know, get out of here. Don't come back. But he fell down on his knees and he repented right away. So that is, that is something that we should take away from, from him. You know, we should be remorseful about anything that we have done and we should ask God because ultimately when we sin, we sin against God. So we should be quick to repent and ask God for forgiveness. And that is what he's looking for. There is no sin that he wouldn't forgive apart from um, blasphemy. blasphemy. And that is, if you don't believe in him, then there's no point. If he's the only one that can save you and you don't believe in him, then you can't be saved. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand once more so we can pray in dismissal. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you once more, Lord. We thank you for the word that we have heard tonight. We thank you, O oh God, for just being able to share your word here without any persecution, Lord. Lord Jesus, there are some places that this could never happen. And we are grateful, Lord. Lord, as we prepare to move into our new facility, Lord Jesus, our new building, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us and we will just read these words from you, Lord, in, in your Bible. And we will take them seriously. We will get to the root of it, O oh God, not just the surface, but we will get to the root of it. 
and we will understand what you are telling us, Lord Jesus, and we will strengthen ourselves against the enemy. Lord, I pray that we will draw closer to you and call upon your name. In the name of Jesus Christ, demons tremble in the name of Jesus Christ. Cover us tonight, Lord Jesus. Cover us as we go our separate way, O God. I pray that you'll give us traveling mercy so that we will return when the door opens again to give you the glory and honor in the name of Jesus Christ. Cover the men of God who who are in Orlando tonight, Lord Jesus. Strengthen them. Give them whatever they need to come back here with us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we say amen. Thank you. Good night.